This is the Starcoat Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 305. But if I think about my like my bigger mission on this planet is I believe that self-empowered girls will change the world. I know that from my core, right? I believe that by the time I die, I am equipping the next generation of girls to change the way our society works. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is fabulous to have you here. Do you ever wonder how do people get really clear about who their ideal client is? Or has this ever happened to you where you thought you wanted to work with one population or do one thing in particular? You've built a website around it. Maybe you've started social media around it. And then as you walk down that road, realize this is not the fit for me that I thought it was. We're going to talk about that and so much more with my wonderful guest today, Sarah Kenny. We're going to talk about how she works to empower young women. And hang tight, I'm going to tell you more about that. I want to start by welcoming you to the show. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler. I'm an executive coach and a mentor coach. I've worked with over a thousand coaches over this past 13 years to really create an impact in the world through what coaching can do. Now, here at the Star Coach Show, we are all things coaching. We are about coaching skills, building your business, using coaching in organizations to create healthier environments helping leaders use coaching in their leadership style. And if this is a relatively new experience for you here at the Star Coach Show, I invite you to starcoachshow.com where you can explore all the shows and all the resources that have come before this show. So go to starcoachshow.com, explore and enjoy. I want to make a special welcome to our Star Coach member community. Thank you for being a member of the community and enjoy the show. So let's talk about what today's show has in store for you. I welcome Sarah Kinney to the show. She's a certified coach, a mentor, and a positive role model for adolescent girls. She believes that self-empowered girls will change the world, and her mission is to create a more just, equitable society by helping those young women develop critical life and leadership skills, especially the ones that they don't learn in school. Sarah helps girls navigate the challenges of adolescence, and aren't there so many challenges in adolescence, while developing higher self-esteem, building their confidence and courage so that they really thrive as young women and transform into impactful leaders. Sarah talks about this passion so beautifully in the interview, and we talk about how she came to this niche, how she determined whether it was even viable for her, 
and so many other things. Sarah is based in Austin, Texas. She has a master's degree in gender studies. She's a certified coach through the International Coaching Federation and is absolutely full of energy, passion for what she does. And she shares that so beautifully in her interview. I cannot wait to introduce you to Sarah. I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go to my interview with her so that you can also be infused with her energy. And I'll see you on the other side. Sarah Kenny, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I have been looking forward to our conversation. I'm just giving everybody warning here. Sarah has this beautiful energy about her. We are talking about niching. We're talking about the population that you work with today and how working with this population of of young women, 12 and up, has really transformed things for you. And I think that sometimes when we settle into that niche in such a way that we just know, like, this is the work I'm meant to do. It just shifts something for us. And yet I know as coaches, sometimes we're thinking, do I really want a niche? Do I want a niche like that? So we're going to get into all of that. Let's first start with your journey and what it was that led you into working with this population, into coaching in general. Tell us a little bit about your path. Yeah. And it's been winding (laughs) for sure. And uh, to your point, right, it took me a little while to get here in terms of serving teen girls, right? So I'm a certified life coach for teen girls. I work with girls ages 12 and up. And, but like you said, as soon as that clicked, the world changed. I mean, everything changed. It was this major aha moment. So let me kind of lead you up to, <laughs> to how we got there. So yeah. So not to go too far back in time, but kind of what I like to call my, my former life before coaching, my previous chapters. I spent a lot of time in Washington, DC. So right after grad school, I have my master's degree in gender studies. I've always been deeply passionate about women's empowerment, girls' empowerment, lifelong feminist. I mean, I literally think I became a feminist in like the fifth grade. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> no, and, and it's Meg, it's actually, it's hysterical. Like if you go back and read my book reports from the third grade, it's like the injustices of the Salem witch trials and like the Joan of Arc. You know, like, <laughs> it's, yes. It has been like born with that passion, right? And so when I graduated from grad school, Moved to DC. I spent almost a decade doing international development, doing a lot of women's leadership work in conflict zones. So I was working for a lot of democracy building organizations, spending a lot of time traveling. Actually, my focal country at the time was was Pakistan. And so I was spending three and a half years in and out of Islamabad. And yeah, I mean, it was incredible and wonderful. It sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Life changing in so many ways. And also just brutally exhausting, right? The, the subject matter, the travel, the, you know, the malaria medications, like, you know, you name it like for years. And I finally, I just reached a point where I felt like, I know this chapter, this is not the city I want to be in anymore. Something needs to give. And I just don't know what I call it my quarter life crisis moment. 
I finally just like after about a year of being like, what am I doing? Who am I? Why am I here? What is, you know, what is, what really is my purpose? I ripped the rug out from under me. I like at the age of three, I turned 30 and I moved to Austin, Texas, no family, no friends, no job. And it was what just, was it about Austin that drew you to Austin? Such an interesting was, thing. It was not the East Coast. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm from New Jersey. All of my family basically still in the tri-state area, you know, and for me, so really what it came down to was I was so burnt out and I knew I needed to get out of the rat race. I need, especially in DC. I was like, I got to get away from the politics, all of it. You know, moving to New York was not going to turn down the dial (laughs) right? at all. And Austin just felt, I came here to visit. And like so many people who visit Austin. Oh, Austin, such a cool city. Came for a weekend and I was like, sold. I can live here. (laughs) Done. And I did. And And you put your stake in the ground in Austin. And that was literally, I just hit my nine year anniversary. So it has been almost a decade. I met my husband the second day that I moved to Texas. And that's a good way to solidify things. (laughs) So yeah, it has been an unexpected new chapter, especially when I was going into it, right? With like so much uncertainty and so much fear, but to get to the coaching piece. So needless to say, moved to Austin. I'm like, what in the heck am I doing with my life? I tried this. I tried that. You know, I worked at a tech company. I worked at a, you know, an ad agency. And finally I hired a coach because I was like, I can't keep starting, starting over. Like I need to figure this out. And immediately by working with a coach, I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to be doing. So anyway, went back, got my coaching certification And because of the journey that I'd been on, I immediately figured, you know, as I'm going through my my coach training that like, I was like, my bread and butter is going to be like women who have that quarter life crisis moment. Me, I'm going to coach me. (laughs) I'm going to coach me. (laughs) And tried at it for a year. Um, And sometimes that is exactly the fit for coaches. Sometimes we are our own ideal client and sometimes we're not. Yeah. And that's what it was. I went in with the assumption. I was like, this is going to be it because it's like, that's what I know. That's, and for whatever reason, I'm at it for a year. Um, it just wasn't singing to my soul, right? It was one of those things where I wasn't giving it a hundred percent effort. You could tell that in my, the, my actual business, right? It wasn't thriving. And I just knew something wasn't clicking. Like it just, I was like, I'm trying this, but like, it's not, the the, the puzzle piece isn't totally connected. And if I can pause there for just a second, I think it takes courage to acknowledge that things aren't clicking. And I think sometimes we can be afraid to acknowledge that things aren't clicking because maybe we've built a website toward that particular thing. Oh or my gosh. We feel like we've branded ourselves that way. And, and if it's the way it is, then how can I possibly change? And I would say, you know what? It takes courage to step in and look at that and determine. And yet, if you don't, if you continually try to swim upstream, if the current's not going with you, please pay attention to that. Yes. Yes. When it was a struggle, You know what I mean? Like I I felt like every day was a struggle. And that actually is one of the best pieces of advice I got from an older coach who I met through an ICF mastermind was she said, the sooner when you're running your own business and you notice that something's not working, the sooner you can just cut anchor and keep sailing, like 
cut your losses and move on. Right. You know, and there's so much fear around like, oh God, but I already built my website and I've already have my marketing materials and I've already sent out this email blast and blah, 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 blah. And, but if it's not working, it's not working. Not working. Exactly. Yeah. And so, okay. So fast forward, I am, because of the work that I've been in doing in DC, I discovered an organization here in Austin that works with refugee girls. So it's an organization that serves girls who have been resettled from conflict zones just to get them acclimated to life in the U.S. Right. Right. How does school work? How do you try out for a team? You know, how do you use your food stamps at the cafeteria? Like stuff that no one's really helping them with. Right. And, so anyway, and they've already had such major life change. Bless I mean, them. Yeah. Yes. Major trauma, like multiple refugee right. camps just to get here. Right. They're 13, 14, 15. And so I discovered this organization. I was like, oh my gosh, I would love to get involved. I end up being placed with these two sisters from Myanmar. And it's just a thing where you're a mentor, you meet with them every week, you help them with their homework, you know, all that stuff. And one of the sisters wanted to try out for the soccer team. And I was a really competitive soccer player, basically up until college. And so I'm like, okay, let's go to the park. I was like, let's, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll just practice. I'll kind of try to teach you how to learn how to play soccer. And we were at the park (laughs) and there was this really cute, probably she was probably five or six, like much younger girl with her dad at the park. And she sees me with these two sisters, just kind of kicking the ball around. She comes over to us and this little cutie pie, she goes, are you her coach? And Meg, I mean, this six-year-old could have like slapped me in the face. (laughs) I thought to myself, I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm not their coach. And then I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and it was just that, like, wow, the flicker, right? I love how Glennon Doyle says, follow the flicker. Mm -hmm. It was like, okay, like, let's, what was just the words came out of her mouth. And I thought, what if I was coaching girls? Like, what if this was a thing that at the time I didn't know was even a thing that people were doing? Right. Because we're almost sort of like caught that coaching is only for certain ages or only for certain populations. And I, and coaching can be for everybody. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. And I think, you know, I know at some point we'll probably talk about like all the limiting beliefs that, that start to fall into play when you're like scared of choosing a niche. And of course, right. I had so many come up around that, like, oh, well, they're too young or, you know, and, and this is not a viable business plan. I'm sure you thought, yes. Yeah. And trust me, there is stuff that's hard about it. Like, oh, it's a two-tiered sales process, right? right? Like I serve girls, but like I interact with their parents in order for them to even right. buy coaching. And so like right. all of those things came up and I'm like, oh, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too hard. But the passion behind it and like the why was so strong that it's like when, you know, when there's a why you always figure out that like that figures itself out. So here you are, you get hit by, you follow the flicker. Yeah, follow so the flicker. Let's talk about what are some of the the areas that you end up coaching this population around? Yes. So, you know, for anyone who either A, if you're a parent, you're well aware, or even just stuff that we've seen coming up in the news, especially out of coming out of the pandemic, you know, being a teen girl is excruciatingly hard. It it is is so hard. Hard. It was hard when I was a teen and social media didn't even exist. Right. Right. And you think of what girls are, they literally live. The only way to put it is like, they live in a pressure cooker, right? The pressures they feel to be perfect, 
to be a perfect friend and get perfect grades and have, you know, be the best athlete and get into the best colleges. Oh, and by the way, you should also weigh a hundred pounds and you should be really tan and you should be really nice to everybody all the time. Time. Even if people are mean to you. Yes. So the, the areas that I see that like, if we were to pull out some themes, stress and anxiety, for sure, which by the way, of course, like everybody's feeling that through the pandemic, but the data that has come out of the, just the mental health crisis amongst, and teens too, I mean, boys are feeling it as well. It is significantly higher for girls. So what's actually fascinating is girls suffer at the rates of anxiety and depression between like three to four times higher than boys. So boys are definitely suffering from it. Girls, it is just magnified. So stress and anxiety. So when you say that stress and anxiety, and I hear people in the audience think, but you're a coach, you're not a therapist. How are you working around stress and anxiety? Uh Yes. So Oh, one of the things that I love about working with girls, and it depends on the age, right? So I start with girls ages 12 and up. 12 to 13, 14, a lot of it is just kind of what I like to call basic emotional literacy. So actually even understanding, like, what is it that I'm feeling? Am I feeling nervous? Am I feeling set? Am I feeling annoyed? Am I feeling frustrated? Right. Like developing that emotional vocabulary. Right. And awareness, right? Awareness, right. What does it feel like in my body? What's, you know, am I clenching my hands? Am I, am I grinding my teeth? Like, am I sweating when I'm taking a test? Right. Like Mm -hmm. stuff that they're feeling and they're experiencing, but they can't, they don't really have the language and the words for it. So the, the right. younger they are, we tend to focus a lot on like what I like to call just like understanding what our stress is and then how do we manage it in healthy ways. And of course, right, the older they get, that is definitely still an issue, but it's a lot more of the like unpacking, okay, like, well, where is this stress coming from? What thoughts are you having around tests that's causing you to feel so anxious about them? Right. So to, to your point, Meg, you know, so this comes up a lot, especially with the parents that, that I'm working with because the levels of anxiety and like clinical anxiety right. are also so high right now. I see a lot of girls who, te- who do both. So they will be seeing a therapist. They may be on medications and they're also doing coaching. In that instance, I will actually sometimes coordinate with the therapist. I'll coordinate with their guidance counselor, like just making sure that I understand, or the mom will be giving me notes from like the doctor's appointments and things like Mm. that. Where I draw the line is if a girl is so anxious or so potentially depressed that she's not willing to use the tools that I'm giving her, right? So coaching, we use a lot of tools, right? So whether that's like, are we journaling? Are you going for a walk? Are you snuggling with a pet? Like, mm-hmm. are we figuring out what are the things that make you feel better? And are you able to actually implement them? And are you able to use them? Mm-hmm. And if the answer to that is no, I say, whoa, 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 time out. Let's level up. Let's find you some, right. some different help. That happens sometimes, honestly. And I think, you know, the longer you get into coaching, there is a lot of overlap between there is a lot of overlap. And, and at this, and I so I just want people to understand that we deal with emotions in coaching. Mm. People Mm -hmm. have emotions. Um, (laughs) There's everything's on a continuum. So obviously, to Sarah's point, if her clients are not able to even function, get out of bed, go to school, if they're so anxious that they can't apply any of the tools that she's talking about, or so depressed that they can't engage, that's going to be something different. But the fact that you're working with 
teenage girls, emotions are very much a part of that. I mean, (laughs) has anybody ever met a teenage girl that emotions don't feel like they're at a 10 most of the time anyway? A hundred percent. And that's part of it too, right? The emotions. And that's just because of the way their brains are developing, right? Right. I like to tell them like, you know, they don't have the prefrontal cortex, right? Like that's still cooking. And so it is literally their emotions are like a pot of water that is boiling that does not have a lid. And so the emotions are big. The emotions are scary. They're really scary to the parents, but they're scary to the girls too, right? Sometimes they just lose it. And they're like, whoa, like where in the heck did that come from? But when we're not teaching girls, so part of that too, right? And I think this falls into like why I'm so passionate about the subject in general, right? Is girls are also socialized to be really nice, to be really compliant, to be super polite, to put everyone's needs before their own. And what happens when you don't express your needs and when you don't voice your opinion and when you do feel like you're being taken advantage of, you feel frustrated, you feel angry, you feel resentful. But you have to tap it down because you're being told you're not allowed to have those emotions. You're not allowed to have those. And then what do you do? You turn it on yourself. Crippling degrees of self-criticism, right? When you can't be angry at other people, you get angry at yourself, right? And so, so much of the work that I do with girls too is related to the anxiety that comes from perfectionism and people-pleasing. A lot of it is around how to have healthier relationships. And so believe you me, like, whoo, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade girl friendships are... I, tough isn't even like, right. and I don't want to necessarily go all the way to toxic, but I know some are, but I mean, you know, it's like, cause they don't know, they don't know how to relate to themselves. They don't know how to relate to one another. And they're also in environments where frankly, they don't have a lot of choice, right? You it, what's beautiful. And I tell girls this all the time who are really struggling with this in high school is one of the most beautiful things about going to college and then becoming an adult. You get to choose your friends right? You get to choose your people. When you are in a really tiny, for a lot of girls that I work with, whether they go to a super small private school or they go to an all-girls school, they don't have a lot of choice. And so it's like, how do we manage within an environment where you really are actually forced to see people every single day who treat you terribly? Right. How do we navigate that? Where do we put those feelings? How do we take care of ourselves? How do we, how do we, yeah, gosh, how do we like just take care of ourselves enough to get through those years. Right. And also learn how to figure out, okay, what type of friends do I want? What are the qualities I'm looking for? So that when they do have the choice, like, okay, I want friends where our communication is reciprocal. I don't want to be the only one who's always texting. I want her to invite me to stuff. So stuff that I think when you're an adult, you're just like, yeah, I either want to be friends with this person or I don't. Girls aren't really taught what, what are, what values do I have and what values do I want in my relationships, right? With my siblings, with my, the partners they eventually choose, it builds, right? And, and I think part of the reason that I'm so passionate about this demographic is, you know, going through my coach training program, it, it, it literally changed my life. Like I am a different human now than I was eight years ago. I'm trying to think I'm going to do that (laughs) seven years, six years ago, but either way. And one thing that came out of that for me, like the level Mm -hmm. of self-awareness and emotional literacy and the ability to like really stand in my power and set boundaries and express myself. I'm like, if I had had those skills at 
14, 15, 20. My gosh, it's like, how different would the world? Right. And now you have this opportunity to help these other human beings get a leg up, get ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yes. So now you talked about the fact that their parents see what's going on and they're kind of at a loss and I'm the mom of two boys Uh and they, that was, I mean, they, they're very, very different, but you know, middle school was very difficult for one of them. I find middle school when I was a therapist of children, you know, teens Mm -hmm. and children, middle school. Oh my goodness. You know, I think anybody you couldn't, teach- you couldn't pay me to go back to middle school. No, <laughs> no. And I was just going to say anybody, the teachers who choose to teach that age, bless them, bless them. So within that, you've got these parents who are seeing things with their daughters and mm-hmm. reaching out to you. And we talked about the two tier that you've got to really kind of sell to the parents, but also engage those daughters. I mean, if, if you've got uh, a parent who's invested, but a child who doesn't want to engage. So tell, let's talk a little bit of just about the, because anytime we pick a niche, there's going to be, there's going to be some challenges inherent mm-hmm. in that niche. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that you really had to figure out. What's my process? Who do I market to? How do mm-hmm. I engage this population? So let's go there a little bit. What comes yeah. top of mind to you for, about that? Yeah. And that was, I would say the biggest limiting belief I had about transitioning to this niche was like, it's going to be too hard to sell. Like my biggest fear was like, and trust me, I actually, it's like, I really should pull the numbers, but it doesn't happen a lot, but it happens enough where parents are desperate for help. They reach out to me. They've not even had a conversation with their daughter about getting help. So one of the first things I ask, I'm like, does your daughter know we're talking today? And if they say no, that's where we start. Because as you know, right, coaching is a process. It requires a lot of buy-in. It is not an overnight fix, right? It's like your daughter is not going to be a, a, you know, first of all, I'm not here to fix your daughughter. Let's (laughs) That's the basic premise. Let's start there. Here to support her in her growth and development, even if that looks different than the path you may want to take, right? Like that is a barrier as well as sometimes I get parents who honestly just want their daughter to be different than they want her to be. So that's a hard conversation. Well, and that's a hard conversation. And that also leads to, okay, if you don't think that that's coming through subliminally to your daughter, that might very well be part of what's going on here. Don't be the way you are is definitely a message that I had to deal with as a therapist with kids too. Yeah. Yes. So there is a lot. So I do just in terms of process, I do a free, I call it an inquiry call. Uh It is not a coaching session, right? It is not a free coaching session. It is a brief inquiry call just with the parents. Generally it's the mom reaches out. Sometimes it's the dad, but usually it's, it's the mom. And that is for me to assess a few things. Does the daughter even know about coaching? (laughs) Is she willing and open to be there? Is she look, is she open to getting help? Do the parents understand what coaching is? So that's where I explain what coaching is, how it's different from therapy. It's really a way for me to make sure that like therapy actually isn't the better option. If there are red flags that are coming up about anxiety, depression, self-harm, cutting, I'm like, you know what? And I've got a lot of referrals. It's like, okay, I'm not the best fit. Here are some people to call. Um, It's like, that's my 
why am I blanking on the term? Right. Like, like that's my way to qualify. It's your fit call. Yeah. Is this even a fit? Is this even? Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes those calls go great and then the girl still doesn't want to do it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. And I tell parents this all the time. Coaching is always about time, right? And I have people who they will call me, the daughter's not ready. Two years later, shit hits the pan. And they're like, okay, the pain point is real enough to where she is ready to go. Ready you to know? sign on. Yeah. And so sometimes it's just about timing. And sometimes it's just not the right fit, right? Sometimes I hear stuff where I'm like, you know what? Maybe therapy would be a better option, counseling. And then if the daughter is on board, that is when we like start to get the process moving. So it really is. But again, like that can take a couple of weeks. I do a lot of inquiry calls where like, if in the first two seconds, the mom's like, she doesn't even know I'm calling or she's like, you know, trying to make sure the daughter doesn't hear the conversation. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, (laughs) let's get on the same page first before we go much further down this road. So that, and you, you, told me in our uh, exploratory call for this interview, something fun that happened regarding how when we do something and we do it well, and we become known in the knit, it really pays off. You got a call from a dad and where was he and how did he learn about you? Yes. Okay. So, and I'm, uh, this is really fun. And I think it speaks to, you know, because one of the limiting beliefs too, I think around niching down is, is scarcity, right? It's just fear that we're limiting ourselves, that we're, you know, we're kinking the hose, we're limiting the number of people we can serve, you know. And when we think about it though, logically, we can't serve a bazillion people anyway. (laughs) A hundred percent. Like we can serve a certain, and I would encourage each one of you listening to think realistically, what would be an ideal caseload for you? And then imagine the entire world. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And then do the math. Right. (laughs) Yes. So, and what's also funny is I, um, okay. So to answer your question, I randomly got a inquiry call or, you know, an inquiry from a father in Paris, France. And I thought to myself, what in the heck? I don't do Google ads. I don't do SEO. I've got a beautiful website. I actually just rebuilt a new website and launched it last week. But like, I don't do, I don't blog, right? Like, but like people find me on the internet. But what's interesting is I actually used to live in France. So my junior year of high school, I studied abroad. I actually took, did my second semester of junior year, did like a foreign exchange student program and was a foreign exchange student in France. Loved the country so much. I actually went back there for college. So I studied abroad again in college. And then I went to university in uh, my first year of university in Montreal up at, um, at McGill. So needless to say, like Francophile, I am obsessed with like all things French. And I have it in my bio on my website that I have like a whole like fun fact section. And I basically said, you know, like when I was 17, I just said, hey, why not? Let's move to France. And I just like became a foreign exchange student. And this dad, who by the way is American, but they're expats. So they live, his daughter goes to the American school in Paris. They live in Paris, but they're American, but they've been there for like 13 years. So the daughter technically is French, but he was looking for a coach for her girl. She's having really difficult friendship issues. She's in eighth grade, really difficult friendship issues, continues to still be friends with girls who are just treating her terribly over and over, which we see, trust me, that is a pattern. It is It, it like she is not unique in that particular situation. And so anyway, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, but 
all things told, this man like went on Google. Thank, thank you for Google, by the way. <laughs> and just came across my website, saw that I actually used to live in France. And so I did my, I, I'm starting with her in two weeks. I actually, I, so I, good. he but, hired me yesterday. I'm like, not even kidding. And so but he was looking for a coach to work with a teenage girl. I mean, if you, he wasn't, he found you because of the niche that you have and because of the experience. And yes, because probably you were, because you were a foreign exchange student, but like all those elements that make us uniquely ourselves, those are all differentiators. And yes. those are the differentiators that draw people to us. That's what led him to contact Sarah Kenny. Yes. And that's, I think, you know, and again, like it comes, hindsight's always 2020, right? Like you, it's so much easier to look back and be like, oh, I should have trusted this more. Like trust is always something we're, you know, working on and building. But- well, trust is hard to do when we're fearful of scarcity. It's like, yes. so fear, any fear-based emotions make it very difficult to stand in courage. It just, yes. it just does. I mean, they're just, they're undermining you're dealing with teens who have all sorts of fear-based emotions, but we as adults, it's not like we outgrow fear-based emotions. Right. And I think what, so in terms of like, when you're the, the fear around niching down is like, you know, I'm limiting the, the people who here's the deal when you are the unique, when you're like this unique person serving a unique demographic, your people will find you Thank like you. This may, I mean, it literally came out of nowhere. I'm like, who in the heck is, and because I saw that it, it was a like plus three, three, which is, you know, the area code for France. And I'm like, in what universe is like, and it just was one of the things And I'm like, this person just randomly found me. And like, I, so, so all that to say is the fear around limiting ourselves, actually it like flip it on its head, look at it the other way. It's like, when you are an expert and focused on this one thing, the right people, your people We'll find we'll you. Find and you. you will stand out from the crowd because just like there's that big world full of people, there's a lot of coaches. Yeah. When, <laughs> when you're able to say, but this is the population that lights me up. And these are the things I know to be true about that population. Therefore, mm-hmm. I work with them this way. Then dads in Paris say, oh my gosh, <laughs> what she says on her website is exactly what my daughter needs. Mm-hmm. versus, okay, so she's a coach who's going to ask questions to evoke awareness that people don't mm-hmm. want to know about that. Yeah. <laughs> they want to know that you get them or you mm-hmm. get their children or you get whoever it is that you're working with. Yeah. So that's yeah. such a beautiful story about the importance. And I know I've got, I don't even know, an umpteen amount of shows that talk about the importance of niching down. And I get it. I get that it's still a scary thing. I totally get it. And I'm going to challenge all of you to think about (laughs) what really lights you up Mm -hmm. and what is your process working with those people, because that's what creates clarity. And it's, you know, when, when a client understands, oh, this is what we're going to do together. And you really get me. That's how you get clients. Meg, can I add on to that? Oh, please. Yes. 
So, because I was thinking about this as we were going through, you know, like what, what to talk about today. And I really like, I I took a moment to think like, how, like, how did I get here? Right? Like, how did this become so clear? And I think it's like, you could boil it down to two things, especially for people who are just struggling to figure out, like, I know I want a niche. I just don't know what, right? Like they, Mm -hmm. like, let's say they understand the importance of it, but they're struggling to figure out like the the, the what of it would be two things. So, and I think, well, and let me zoom out a little bit here. So when I think about like myself as a person, and the work that I do, I like to think of it in like the the individual and the collective, right? So like, what are my clients individually struggling with? And then who am I as an individual, right? And I consider myself just like on my own journey, I'm a wounded healer, right? Whether that's like the traumas I've suffered, the all of the work that I've done to overcome my own, you know, body image issues, anxiety, perfectionism. I mean, woo, that has been a journey. A lot, you know, it's a process. It's a process. <laughs> it's We're a, all it's a work in progress. And yes. it's capital W work all day, every day, right? Right. <laughs> but because of that work that I'm always doing on myself to go, you know, I don't want to say fix those issues, but work through those issues right. and resolve them and accept them. And that makes you uniquely equipped to serve girls who are struggling with those same things that I found debilitating in my teen years. Mm-hmm. Right? So individual girls are suffering, like suffering. We know that. We know it from the data. We know it from the science. I know it from the girls that I'm working with every day. But if I think about my, like, my bigger mission on this planet is I believe that self-empowered girls will change the world. I know that from my core, right? I believe that by the time I die, I am equipping the next generation of girls to change the way our society works, right? Mm -hmm. Positive change. It is a bigger global mission. I am a teeny, 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 tiny part of that. Coaching is just the vehicle, right? Coaching is the tool to affect change. And so if we think about the individual, like who are you as a coach? What have you experienced? What have you suffered? What, you know, what are your degrees in? What, like all the good stuff too, right? Like what do you have knowledge and expertise and like what makes you uniquely equipped to serve a specific demographic? But if you look at the collective, it's like, what are you so passionate about changing, about fixing, about solving that like, All you want to do is read about it, talk about it, you know, think about it. Like, what is that problem you're trying to solve? For me, it's like gender inequity and dismantling the patriarchy, which again, will not happen in my lifetime, but like, (laughs) we're chipping, we're chipping away. (laughs) But like, what are you so desperate to solve? Who are the people who can be catalysts of change for that? How do you serve them through coaching? Beautifully said. Like coaching is just the vehicle. Right. And yet a powerful vehicle and one that you can offer. Yeah. Yeah. That's the transformation, right? And so, so coaching, the reason it's so powerful is because of the transformation it brings to our clients. But when every single one of our clients experiences that transformation, that's when everything shifts, right? Like when I think about what happens when girls have these skills, right? What happens when they trust themselves? When they follow their own dreams, not the dreams of their parents or the dreams of their husband or the dreams of their, right? Like, or they say no when they really mean no, right? Or they negotiate for a higher salary. 
or they decide to take a courageous leap and do something that no one else has done for. I'm not saying every, you know, every girl wants to become president. That's not the point. But with every girl who learns to do that, things start changing in the home. Things start changing in their communities. Things start changing in their churches. Things start changing at the societal level. And for me, that's why I do this, right? Like, and I think we talked about this on our last call. Like there are parts of running a business that are just, oh, it's a slog. I mean, like there, like there are days where you're like, I got to do my email marketing and I got to you know, file my quarterly taxes and I right. like, got to queue up these Facebook posts, whatever. But I am willing to do that stuff because I care so much about the work. And I think for people who are like, what's my what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that to me is the mirror. It's like, okay, dig deep on those things and then follow the flicker, right? Like what starts to feel like, Ooh, like that's kind of fun. That's interesting. Cause not all of you will have a five-year-old walk up to you in the park and say, are you their coach? But (laughs) there are different messages coming in all the time. Are you open to receive them? Yes. Yes. Sarah, it is so much fun to talk with you. I really think we could just go on and on. However, I could be here all day. (laughs) So how can people reach you if they want to know more about what you do? Yes. So my website, sarahkennycoaching.com. And on my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. You can follow me on Instagram. And also you have, I have some free downloads and there's also a button for you to schedule an inquiry call. So if you happen to be a parent with a teenage daughter and you're interested, you can do that all on my website. Excellent. We will have all the links for that in the show notes for this episode. Sarah, thanks for taking time out of your day to share your journey with us, to share your perspective. So rich and just so much fun to be with you. Thank you, Meg. I've had such a good time. It was such a joy to spend time with Sarah, hear her passion for the work that she does, and just knowing that she's doing what she's supposed to be doing. I want to thank Sarah once again for bringing her passion to the show. If you want to know more about Sarah and the work that she does, go to starcoachshow.com slash 305, starcoachshow.com slash 305. Sarah's and my conversation continued in her bonus question for the member community. We talked about a niche that she believes is underserved and that coaches could really bring value through. And that's in her bonus question in the member community. Now, next week, I'm joined by Colin Gray, where he's going to be talking about how to repurpose content like a champion, how to use your content in many different ways to really expand your reach and your draw of clients. So be sure to come back next week for that. If you are enjoying the Star Coach Show, share it with a friend, tell someone about it, and leave a rate and review wherever you listen. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your success. Enjoy your week and I'll see you next week.